Seuss, right? And here's a very sweet one. Christmas, my child, is love in action. Every time we love, every time we give, it's Christmas. That was written by Dale Evans over 50 years ago. She was the wife of Roy Rogers. Some of you are old enough to say who? Yeah, well, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. And then here's a not-so-sweet one by that very famous, not-so-smart Jay Leno. Here's what he said. The Supreme Court has ruled that they cannot have a nativity scene in Washington, D.C. This wasn't for any religious reasons. They couldn't find three wise men and a virgin. Okay, that was uh, Jay Leno. He, he said that about Christmas. But here's my favorite. We consider Christmas as the encounter, the great encounter, the historical encounter, the decisive encounter between God and mankind. He who has faith knows this truly. Let him rejoice. That was Pope Paul VI. I like that one. Christmas is an encounter between God and man. Christmas is an encounter between you and the Lord of creation. This time of year we bring gifts and the Lord Jesus has given us the gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest gift that was ever given. I think for a moment in your own mind, what's the best gift that you've ever received? Now we can get real spiritual or religious at this point, but think of just the best gift you've ever received. I remember when, I, when my son was a teenager, 12 years old, I watched the Christmas story for the first time, and you know what I got him for Christmas. I got him a Red Ryder BB gun, and to this day, he still says that was the best gift that he ever received. What's the best gift you've ever received? Well, a friend of mine, another covenant pastor, his name is Dwight Nelson, tells this story, and he tells it and says that it's true. You'll have to determine for yourself whether or not you think it's true. Dwight Nelson, on Christmas Eve morning, he and his wife gave their daughter a little kitten for Christmas. And the daughter put a little red ribbon around its neck, and it was cute, and they played with the kitty, and the kitty went outside and played in the yard. But finally, the kitty crawled up into a tree, and they just couldn't reach the cat. And it was kind of a, uh, it wasn't a very sturdy tree. They couldn't climb up in it. So they tried to coax it down with milk and with all kinds of things, but nothing worked at all. So because it was too flimsy a tree to climb up, Dwight had the idea that he had tie a rope to the tree, tie it to the fender of his car, and then slowly inch away. And as the tree came down, finally he could grab the kitty and save the cat. Well, you know what's coming, right? So he started driving the car slowly away. The, the tree bends down, down, and then the rope snaps, and bang, and that cat goes soaring off into the sky, just way out there. He couldn't even tell where the cat was going. He was frightened and worried, especially because his daughter was mad, and he went to all the different neighbors. Have you seen a cat with a red ribbon? Have you? And no one had seen it, and finally he just had to give up, and he said, Lord, I commit this kitten to your keeping. <laughs> a few days later, he was in the grocery store and he ran across Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones in his congregation was a notorious cat hater. Mrs. Jones was buying cat food. The pastor said, Mrs. Jones, I'm surprised that you're buying cat food the way you feel about cats. And she said, well, you're not going to believe it, but there, a Christmas miracle happened in our house. <laughs> and he said, well, what on earth could that be? And she said, well, on Christmas Eve day, 
uh, my daughter had been begging for weeks to have a cat for Christmas. And my husband and I said, no, 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 no. Finally, I got so fed up with her. She said, listen, dad and I will not buy you a cat, but if God wants to give you one, you can keep it, okay? <laughs> she said, my daughter goes in the backyard. She gets down on her knees and she says, dear Lord, give me a cat. And just then this cat comes falling out of the sky with its hand, its feet out like this and the red ribbon flapping in the breeze. And she said, pastor, it was a Christmas miracle. It was truly a Christmas miracle. Well, I wonder if any of you have experienced a Christmas miracle like that. Maybe not like that, but let me tell you what the Christmas miracle is for us tonight. It's this, and it's simply this. Jesus came. He came to the earth, and it was so cute and warm and cuddly to have a baby, but the reason he came was not so that we could celebrate him as an infant, but Jesus grew up to be a man. And as a man, he was God, very God, very man. And he grew up and he literally died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. The greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. This evening, I would like to pause for a moment and just consider the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at some verses in the Bible that talk about this amazing person that we call Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, very God and very man. We're going to look at this man, Jesus Christ, because every one of you, even if you're not a church person, if you're not a Christian person, uh, every one of you kind of does everything based on Jesus. Did you know that? Every check that you write is saying that Jesus was born 2013 years ago. Everything, history is divided into B.C. and A.D., everything has to do with Jesus Christ. And did you know that there are 2 billion people out of 7 billion people on our planet that would stand up and say, and many of you would as well, stand up and say, you know what, I believe in Jesus Christ, He's my Lord and Savior, and my life has been literally transformed by being in relationship with Him. So Jesus Christ is a very compelling and an amazing persona that has came to this earth 2,000 years ago. The name of Jesus is above all names. When his name is embraced and loved and invoked, time stands still. Let me explain. There's a word in the Bible that maybe you've never even thought about. And the word actually is the same word in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, by the way, was written in the language of Hebrew. And the New Testament was written originally in mostly Greek and some Aramaic, but there's a word in the Bible, Old Testament and New, Hebrew or, or uh, Greek, and it means the same thing. And that word is behold. In the Old Testament, I'm going to give you a little language lesson. Some, how, how many of you studied languages in high school? Okay, so, okay. so you're on because you're, you're, you're going to learn something. So the Hebrew word for behold is hine. Hine, okay? I'll just say that with me. Hine. Okay, let's say it again. Hine. Okay, you just learned Hebrew, aren't you? You're smart. Okay. Now, the Greek word, the same word now in the Greek language, the New Testament, is idu. Okay? Idu. Let me say it together. Idu. After the service, there's going to be, believe it or not, a wedding. Okay? And during that wedding, the man and the wife are going to say, say it with me. It do. No, they're going to say, I do, but it's, you get the idea. Okay, so hine means behold. It do means behold in Greek. So in the Bible, there's this times when the word behold comes out, and the word means this. It means stop what you're doing. 
Right now, stop, pay very close attention. What I'm going to say is absolutely important. What I'm going to say has the potential to change your life. Okay, that's what the word behold means. It means stop, look, listen, watch out for this. I mean, in today's modern language, you say, dude, you better pay attention because this really matters, right? Hine, edu. When you see these words in the Bible, you're supposed to stop, look, listen, pause, and say, okay, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to say to me when you hear the word behold? So I want to look tonight at the Christmas story in the context of that word. And then we're going to look at two other times when that word was used many times in Scripture. So the first one is 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Now we know this isn't just something made up. Okay, we know that Isaiah is an ancient uh, prophet. We know that historically, that's proven. We know that he wrote. Some people say, yeah, but that's, I mean, what we have today isn't really authentic. Well, it is, and it was proved by the Dead Sea Scrolls, proved that the ancient Hebrew that was written uh, by Isaiah is exactly accurate today. So 700 years ago, here's what Isaiah said, prophesying or foretelling what was going to happen 700 years hence. Isaiah 7:14. listen to these words. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Say it with me. Behold, Hine, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Behold, Hine. Remember what it means? Stop, look, and listen. What you're about to hear is life-changing, and it has so much to do with you as a human being, as one who wants to live a life well. Stop, look, and listen. This really matters, okay? And this is what he says after behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years later, those prophecies came true. 169 prophecies in the book of Psalms and Isaiah, all of them predicting the birth of Jesus. Specifically, he was born in Bethlehem. Specifically, what kind of, he was born in a manger. All of these very specific things. And it was done 700 years before Christ. So here's what Isaiah was saying, basically, is this. You need to, you need to stop right now. You need to pause and you say, okay, I need to pay attention to what he's going to say now. And he says, listen, a child is going to be born. His name's going to become Jesus. And Jesus, the name means, he shall take away your sins. Hine, behold, listen, check this out. This could change your life. The word Emmanuel means literally God with us. So Isaiah was saying, listen, listen to me. Please stop and listen. He was saying, God is with us in this baby. The baby, he didn't stay in a manger. He grew up to become a man and became your savior. Uh, this matters. God is with us right now in the form of this baby. Isaiah said a little bit later, another listen to this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, and he uses the word behold again. Okay, remember this is written 700 years before Jesus was born. For a child has been born, what's the next two words? For us. The gift of a son, for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. So Isaiah said, when this baby comes, he's going to come, not because he's cute and cuddly. He's going to come for us. 
He's going to come because we need a Savior, and He's going to grow up and be a Savior. He said, behold, Hine, pay attention. This really matters. If you really believe this and understand why this baby came, your life will never be the same. So that's a snapshot of Jesus' birth. Hine, behold, pay attention. There will come a baby, and He's going to live on this earth. He's going to grow up, die for your sins, and it'll be for us. It'll be for us. It'll be for you. So that's the first time we see the word behold. And then we see it again in the New Testament. And that word, remember, is what? Edu. Okay? Edu. So John chapter 1, verse 29, we read these words. Behold, edu, or look in some translations, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that neat? So here's, that's John the Baptist that wrote that. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he knew what was happening because the, his, mother, uh, his mother Elizabeth and Mary, uh, the angels that appeared to them. So John knew what was going on, that this man Jesus was going to be the savior of the world. The same Jesus that was in a baby that Isaiah prophesied 700 years before. So John says, behold, the son of man, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, what did he mean by that? In the Old Testament, there was this elaborate uh, sacrificial system because people could not save themselves. Uh, people were lost in their own sin and their own brokenness. God provided a way for them to have their sins forgiven, and that was through the sacrificial system. So if you sinned, you had to sacrifice a goat or a sheep or something like that, and that, that the blood of that animal was supposed to cover your sins, and God took that as a, as a promise that you weren't going to sin again, but then you'd sin again, and it was so complicated. And they were running out of sheeps in the world, you know, because it was just a mess. Everybody was sinning, and it was just, they were losing, losing ground. Jesus comes along. John says, behold, pay attention. They do. You got to look at this. You got to hear this. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God, and he was a once and forever and eternal, perfect sacrifice for all the sins of all people. Jesus died for the sins of all people. Now, whether or not we embrace his gift, and that's truly a gift, to die for your sins, to die in your place. You don't have to die because somebody died for you. Because that great gift is given to you. John says, wait a second, stop everything, push the pause button, look who's coming. It's Jesus Christ, and he's the Lamb of God that's, uh, that was literally slain from the foundation of the world. And then that same Lamb of God marched through three years of ministry, and the Bible says that he went to the cross. In fact, Pilate, when Jesus had the crown of thorns, and he was, he was scourged, and what they did by scourging, it was a leather, leather strips with glass and metal in it, and they, if you saw the passion of the Christ, it was very realistic. They would really lash him and literally tear the flesh off of his torso and his back. And the Bible says that his blood was being being shed for you. You say, well, how does that work? Martin Luther called that the great or the wonderful exchange. Martin Luther said that all of your sins, all of your pain, all of your brokenness, all of the wrong things you've ever done are put in a bundle like this, and they're placed on the back of Jesus, that back that has all the flesh torn off it, right? And all of your sins become Jesus' sins, and he dies for them. And then all of his righteousness and his beauty and his love and his eternal nature, all of that becomes yours. 
That's the wonderful exchange. When you invite Jesus into your life to be your Savior and your Lord, you are saying, Christ died for my sins. He is the sacrifice for my sins, that once and for all, perfect sacrifice, and he died for me. And so John said, Idu, behold, push the pause button and say, listen, what I'm about to say will change your life. And what he said was this, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold your King. Behold Jesus the Savior. Behold, look at the cross. Look at him on the cross. The blood that he has shed for you. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the baby. Behold the man on the cross. Behold the one who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't it beautiful how God uses that one simple word to say, listen, if you believe what I'm telling you right now, Isaiah said it, Jesus said it, John said it, if you believe what I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. But there's one other time that the word behold is used. You see, Jesus Christ, after he was crucified, most of you know this, Pastor Ryan referred to it earlier, Easter is a celebration of Jesus rising from the dead after three days. So he's crucified, he was resurrected, and after 40 days, he literally ascended or went up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus is there today uh, with the Father. But he says, one day, I'm going to return to the earth. And I'm going to return, and I'm going to judge everyone. Okay, so the question is, do you want to be judged based on how you've lived your life? Man, I don't. (laughs) I've messed up so many times. I've sinned so many times. I can't even begin to tell you. So I don't want to be judged on, on what I've done. I would fail, fail, fail. You would too. But instead, you can either be judged on your own life, or you could be judged on the life of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when Jesus Christ returns at the second coming, uh, the judgment, you'll have that option. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you will be free. You are redeemed. You are saved. But if not, you will stand judgment for your own sins. So the Bible says, listen to this. In Revelation 22, it says, Behold, Edu, New Testament, right? I am coming soon. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. In other words, you'll get according to what you have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Idu, stop, wait just a minute. You need to hear this. Jesus said, I'm coming back. Just like I left the earth 2,000 years ago, I'm going to come back again and I'm going to rule and reign over the entire, not just the world, but the entire universe. And Whether you are judged by your own sins or whether you are judged by Jesus' death on the cross, that's what's going to happen when Christ returns. The Bible says that he will literally ride, he will break through the eastern skies and he will be on this white horse. And now, you've seen a lot of movies. Since uh, 1998, there's been over 100 movies about the apocalypse and the destruction of the earth and all of those great movies. Uh, Will Smith is in half of them. Anyway, all these movies, you know, all about the end of the world. You know, all of those things come right out of the Bible. I don't know if you realize that. Most of those things are based on, on truth. Now, they don't talk about Jesus in those necessarily, but all of those scenarios are based on what the Bible says. That God said, behold, wait, stop, it do. You know, right now, time out. You need to pay attention to this. I am coming soon, Jesus said. 
My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So here's the question. Do you want to be judged according to what you have done? Or do you want to be judged according to what Jesus has done for you? Religion is what can I do? Christianity is what Christ has done for you. Tonight, what I'm offering you is this. A behold. A stop. A timeout. Wait just a minute. Okay, what you're saying, Pastor Duane, is that Jesus came as a baby, and that was a very important event because it changed the world, divided the world from B.C. and A.D. Okay, I understand that. And then you're saying, behold, he comes, the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world. On the cross, Jesus died for my sins. I need to stop and ponder that, understand that, and embrace that. And then you're also saying that one day Jesus Christ promises the first advent, that's what we call the, the, the Christmas. It's the first advent, that means coming. The first coming of Jesus was Christmas. The second advent, the second coming of Jesus, he will come to judge all human beings of all time, of all uh, periods of time. So you're saying, okay, I, I stop, I need to understand that. I need to, one day Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, you can say, I don't believe it, and that's your prerogative, of course. But what I am saying is that from my heart to yours, the truth of this word, behold, hine, idu, please hear this. Jesus came, Jesus died for your sins, and Jesus is coming again. And each one of you can experience Christmas by experiencing Jesus Christ in your heart. That's the promise of the Christmas story. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Behold, Jesus is coming again. There's one last behold. It's found in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and it's found in the third chapter, the 20th verse. And here's what G Jesus is speaking. This is what he says. Behold, it do, stop everything. You need to really hear what I'm going to say, Jesus said, what I'm going to say after this. So please pay attention. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And what he's referring to is your heart's door, that inner spirit in you. And even right now, I believe with all my heart that some of you are feeling that, that inner knocking. Jesus is saying, I'm real. I'm here. I did die for your sins. I did come as a baby. I am coming again. It's real. It's right here. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It do. Stop. Listen. This matters. This could change your life. This could change everything that you've ever experienced. Jesus said, I want to be your Savior. I want to be your Lord. At the judgment, I want to stand before you, between you and God, and say, hey, I've got this one. This one's mine. This is my child. You Judge me, Jesus would say. Don't judge them. God says, this can be your life. This can be your experience. This can be your transformation. Hine. Edu, please hear this. Jesus died for your sins. Check this out. Listen. Time stops. Jesus is saying, you can know me forever. Behold, let me come into your heart and give you unspeakable peace, forgiveness of sins, healing of addictions and pain. Behold, babe in a manger. Behold, the Savior on the cross. Behold, the soon coming King. Would you bow your heads with me for a prayer? Father, tonight on this Christmas Eve, 
Um, we are so thankful that this is a time of the year when we celebrate, and really most of the world <laughs> celebrates Christmas, even if they're secular Christmas, they, they don't realize that they're celebrating something that actually happened, that Christ came. And Lord, you've told the world time and time again to behold. Please stop, look, and listen. Hear what this story is saying. Hear about the salvation that you can have through Jesus. Hear the news that one day I'm going to come again. Lord, help us to stop, look, and listen at this beautiful story. So Father, tonight I believe that there are some here tonight who uh, maybe they're new to this idea of of Jesus being real and alive. But Lord, I also believe that you literally are knocking on their heart's door. They feel this, 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 this tap in their soul, this touch in their heart, uh, this Jesus who is saying, I'm real, I'm here, I want to save you. Father, I, because I believe there are those here tonight that ex- want to experience that, I just want to offer a prayer. If this is your heart tonight, if you want to pray this simple prayer to receive Christ, I I want you to pray with me. Not out loud, please, just in the quietness of your own heart. But say it with sincerity and pray something like this. Dear Father, I know I haven't lived my life very well. I've done so many wrong things and I've hurt so many people, including the ones I love. But tonight, I just want to stop. I want to hear that word, behold. I I want to believe that Jesus came as a baby, but he didn't come to be an infant. He came to be a man, a savior, to die for my sins. And I want to believe that Jesus Christ is coming again to judge everyone. And I want to be one of his children. So by faith, I don't have a lot of faith, but the faith I have, I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be my Lord, my Master, my Savior, the one who forgives me. And because I invite him into my heart, I believe that my life will be transformed forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed? If you prayed that prayer this evening, I just want to know that so that I can pray for you. We're not going to ask you to do anything or talk to anyone tonight, but we do, I do want to see if you prayed that prayer so that I can pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand, and when you do, just look up and make eye contact with me. No one else is looking around. Would you do that? Would you raise your hand if you prayed that prayer tonight? Yes, God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you back there, too. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you, honey. God bless you, son, back there. Anyone else? (laughs) Lord, you are so good. The Bible says that every time someone says yes to God, that the angels in heaven rejoice. We can almost hear them. Father, tonight you have done something to make this Christmas memorable for all of us. We've been reminded of your great love for us. But Father, for these who have raised their hands, Their lives will never be the same. And for that, this truly is a Christmas miracle. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.